So we're in the middle of our wisdom series, and tonight we're going to be unpacking um, another book in that series. And how many of you guys have been reading Proverbs a little bit? You guys have heard the book of Proverbs? Awesome. So we've been reading a proverb a day. And so today's the 11th, so you'd read Proverbs 11. And Pastor Jail went into a little bit of that. But when I first uh, started preparing for this message tonight on what I was going to say, um, it was back in June, and it was actually June 27th, because I, I know this very vividly, because there is a proverb in Proverbs 27 that I should have applied immediately um, to my life that I didn't didn't do very well. Um, I wasn't wise at all. Proverbs 27, 12 says, a prudent, which is a wise or well-judged person, foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton, or the foolish person, goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Um, so my wife and I, we recently moved, and my wife's over here. She's awesome. Stand up, honey. You're, you're the best. That's my wife, Robin. That hot chick. All right, so... Um, we, we recently moved, and, and sometimes when you move, you usually take your washer and dryer with you. Now, uh, dryers hook into a power supply that's called 220, um, and there's two different kinds of, of plugs. And so I actually brought one here with me, um, and that's like a bigger plug than your normal iPhone charger, right? Like, that thing is giant. Um, and so there's, this is a three-prong, and they have a four-prong. Well, my dryer that we brought with us had a three-prong, and in the wall, there's a four like, a, like four holes. So I'm like, I got to go to Home Depot. I got to change the cord out of my dryer. And this proverb saying that the foolish person just goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. I was tired that night. I'm just going to chalk it up to I was just really tired and I wasn't thinking clearly. But I went to Home Depot and I bought the four prong cord. And anytime you work with electricity at all, you should always do what? Turn off the breaker, right? Turn off the electricity. That's what you should do. And I was tired again. I'm going to say that again. And that's going to be my excuse, I think, for this thing. But what I did was I, I wanted to make sure I bought the right product because if you, you know, unpackage it and everything, you can't return it. And there's been, I've been to Home Depot so many times in my life. It's been just terrible. And so I wanted to make sure that I got the right thing. And so it's packaged like this and it's got like a nice package. And this is called the pigtail. Um, and it's just these wires that are sticking out and it scares me right now touching them, even though I know there's nothing around. Um, and what I did was I wanted to make sure I got the right product. So with the, in the package and everything, I just go up to the thing and I plug it in. I plug it in. And 220, like 110 is your normal charger for your like iPhone charger or anything you like a fan you'd plug in TV. This is 220, double, all right? 220 can kill you. 110 can kill you. 220 can send you across the room. And I, without thinking, just go and blow up like... And thank the Lord I had gloves on um, because the pigtail was wrapped down a little bit and touching my wrist, but I, I had a glove on, luckily. And my wife was like feet from it. And she just sees sparks fly out of the laundry room. <laughs> and um, and it, it was something that I should have immediately applied. Uh, and and I, I still, I, I fixed it and it's still good. Um, I can fix things still. But it was one of those times that I just didn't feel wise at all, not even a little bit. I normally consider myself a fairly wise person, but the truth is there's times that I just kind of suck at life. Have you ever had those times in your life where you're just like, I suck at life, or I fell up the stairs or something like that. Like there's different times where you're just like, man, this life thing is a little bit, a little bit tougher. But it's all I can do to continue to seek to be wise, to continue to learn from my mistakes and, and learn from what happens to me in life and things like that. And I think that this series about wisdom overall, we're just trying to we're just trying to 
let you guys know some clues on how to be good at life. Now, who wants to be good at life? Right, that should be everybody. We just want to be good at life. Now, the first week is a couple weeks ago, but we looked into the book of Proverbs. Pastor Sarah talked about um, the book of Proverbs and, and what it had to say about wisdom. Proverbs is like a brilliant young teacher that there's a, a, a lady in the book of um, Proverbs called Lady Wisdom, and she would call out to people and, and get them to, to anybody that would come and listen to her to give them insight. Uh, and Pastor Sarah went into how the Proverbs looks at, at how you should hear wisdom's call and that how um, you should fear God and not be afraid of him, but have like a reverent, like, like respect and awe of God. That's something that we should all have of like, like when it, it brings a new meaning to awesome. Like that, that new peach shake at Chick-fil-A is awesome, right? But if you're like, God is awe, like full of awe. He's awesome. It, it, it brings a new meaning to that word. So that's what fear of the Lord means. So she said, you need to hear wisdom call. Um, Proverbs says you need to fear the Lord and then you need to steer your life with those one-lining, like one-liners, the wisdom, like the foolish go blindly and suffer the consequences and, and, and the prudent actually weigh out all the, the things. And so we're gonna be digging into Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes has a much different tone and a much different feel than Proverbs. Ecclesiastes isn't full of these like one-liners that you can just like, like bam, 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 you can apply this, apply that, apply that. But Ecclesiastes has some really cool stuff. And it's one of my favorite books. My life verse is in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. That is something that um, I try and, I try and give, it, give it my all. Um, in all, everything that I do, I try to go um, all out and, 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 and put all of me into it. And so, Ecclesiastes has a special place in my heart because of that verse, but it definitely is gonna shake your um, view of the world, and I'm super excited um, about it. The tone in this book is gonna be much different than a lot of the Bible that I think that um, you'll read, but it does take a look at what it means to live well. Let's, let's check out what Ecclesiastes has. What does it mean to live well in this world? So we've looked at Proverbs, who you could think of as a bright young teacher. She's all about pursuing wisdom, an attribute of God that's woven into reality. And she's optimistic that if you use wisdom, you will build a successful life. But then we come to Ecclesiastes, who's more like this sharp middle-aged critic. And he says, You think using wisdom will bring you success. You'd better think again because life here under the sun is meaningless. What? First of all, Sarah gets the brilliant young teacher and I get this old dude, the pipe. I don't understand that. He's old, that's not middle-aged, that dude is straight up old. Anyway, um, one of the reasons I love this book so much is because it shakes the ground that we stand on when we think about reading the Bible. It says his whole thing in the, this critic, this whole thing in Ecclesiastes is life is meaningless. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that just so like, yeah, I want to live life to the fullest. Like, it's just one of those things, and I love books in the Bible that just shake it up a bit, that make you think a little bit more. Um, and it's just like, it makes you just want to throw in the towel sometimes. Just like life is meaningless. Well, then fine. And just like, I'm going to go rent a car and drive some uh, Utah. I don't know. That's my version of crazy. Um, <laughs> Vegas. I don't know. But I think that God has something extraordinary for each and every one of us tonight. And I think that unpacking what Ecclesiastes has to say about wisdom and, and what 
God wants to do in our lives and in our hearts is gonna be super important, but we're gonna need to think a little bit deeper um, than we normally do. And I've always envisioned the author of this book to be kind of mopey. Anyway, life is meaningless, like kind of like an Eeyore uh, sort of a guy. And that's, it always kind of made me laugh a little. Um, but I wanna follow this critic, all right, this, this middle-aged critic. And by the way, 4640, we don't condone smoking any sort of tobacco or pipes, just so you know. Uh, the vibe they're trying to set is obviously like the, you know, some critic, I'm gonna, you know, like, meh, meh, life is meaningless. Don't smoke, okay? Just feel like I have to say that. Or use any tobacco products of any, any kind, okay? Um, but I wanna follow this critic and how he view, views life. And I want to look at a couple different observations that he has about life because what he wants to do throughout the whole book is to shake our view of the world. And he does it through the conclusion that life is meaningless, this really sad, depressing term. But this book can be extremely depressing. So I want us to all just, I want us to practice a smile right now. Just smile as big as you can, okay? Don't, don't let the next few things drag you down because God's gonna bring it back in a really, really awesome, awesome way. Now, if we take a closer look at the word meaningless, at the word meaningless, because when this book was written, when Ecclesiastes was written, it was written in a language called Hebrew. And a Hebrew word and our English language don't just completely translate together. And so this, this word meaningless is defined in a really, really cool way. And uh, the Bible Project did another video on how it's defined. Let's take a look at it. Now, most English Bibles translate this word hevel as meaningless, but that doesn't quite capture the heart of the idea. In Hebrew, hevel literally means vapor or smoke. And the teacher uses this word 38 times in the book as a metaphor to describe how life is, first of all, temporary or fleeting, like a wisp of smoke. But secondly, also how life is an enigma or a paradox. Like smoke, it appears solid, but when you try and grab onto it, there's nothing there. So there's so much beauty or goodness in the world, but just when you're enjoying it, tragedy strikes and it all seems to blow away. Or we all have a strong sense of justice, but all the time, bad things happen to good people. So life is constantly, it's unpredictable, it's unstable, or in the teacher's words, like chasing after the wind. Hevel. So this, this critic, this teacher in Ecclesiastes, uses the word hevel 38 times. And so we have to look at, at him using this, that he's making all these observations about life through the filter through this view of meaningless being like a vapor, being like a mist. Now, life here on earth can look a lot of different ways. Um, and it can be super confusing and it gets at times and everything like that. This is cold, but it's hot if you touch it long enough. All right, now, you see the mist or vapor. Like he's making this illustration through the word hevel that life is meaningless in that when you're chasing after stuff and trying to control stuff and you're trying to grab the vapor, you always come up empty-handed. And there's a lot of different times where, where maybe we're in the midst of, of, of this, this, this fog. We're in the midst of this and it, it can seem confusing and cloudy and there's times in our life where it just, we, we can't make sense of it all. I'm gonna electrocute myself as well. And in life, there's these curveballs. But if you look closely, the critic isn't saying that life has no meaning, but that the meaning of life is never clear. All right, just like this vapor, it, 
I can't under, understand what happens to me all the time in life. Life um, kind of has its own thing, but the meaning of life, it's not meaningless, but the meaning is never clear. And the key of this all that the critic explains in Ecclesiastes is that life is meaningless apart from God. Apart from God, life is meaningless. The goal that I present to us tonight and the goal that I believe is the theme of the book Ecclesiastes is to let this critic deconstruct all the ways that we try and find meaning apart from God, that we try and find our purpose apart from God. And it's continuing, I'm gonna have this going the whole time. It's like trying to grab mist or a vapor if we're trying to do life apart from Jesus. We're always gonna come up empty-handed. So this critic, he makes three big observations about life and, and they're disturbing and they're intense, but I wanna jump into it. Let's take a look at the first thing the critic looks at in Ecclesiastes. So the first is the march of time, or as the critic says, generations come and generations go, but the earth, it's been here long before us and will be long after. No one remembers people from long ago and all the people yet to come, they too will be forgotten by those who come after them. So on a cosmic scale, you and I, we are just a blip. Stars are born and then they die and form planets which orbit new stars and those planets, they change over time and eventually burn up. And amidst this cosmic backdrop, my entire existence is like a blink in time. So the first observation that this critic has is that there's always this constant march of time. All right, even if your watch stops, time continues to go. And he goes on to say um, in Ecclesiastes 1, 3, and 4, he says, what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. He goes on to say that you spend your time working and achieving because you think that makes your life meaningful. You should really stop and consider the, the march of time. I mean, for all the human effort that takes place in the world, nothing really ever changes as a whole. Like, sure, we develop technology and we have nations. We build them up and they rise and then they fall. And you can see a bunch of patterns in our history books. But climb a mountain and see if the mountain cares. Like, like climb, go, go up to the mesa and see if the mesa itself honestly really cares. It, it, it doesn't. The march of time that the mesa is going to be there, it was there before you were here and it was there, it's going to be there long after and the, the waves are going to continue to beat against the shores and the sun is going to continue to rise and it continue to set way before you were here and way after you're gone. A hundred years from now, the mesa is still going to be there. But the things that we do, our achievements, and the things, they're going to waste away. Our entire existence is a blink in time. Super encouraging, right? Isn't it just the best? Well, it gets even more depressing. Uh, let's take a look at this critic's second observation about life. We are all going to die. Humans face the same fate as the animals, death. All people, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, those who offer sacrifices to God and those who do not, they all share the same destiny. 
all this activity and madness, then we all join the dead. Man, this book is depressing. It is. It's pretty depressing. It's a good read. You guys should really read it. Like, it just, it's a different tone. Like, Proverbs is like, don't do this because this bad thing will happen. And then <laughs> y'all going to die. And that's the second observation. Everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. In, uh, in Ecclesiastes 11 and 12, um, he illustrates death like it's the great equalizer. Like death comes from, for the rich and it comes for the poor. It comes from uh, the, 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 the tall, the short, the skinny, the big boned. Like it, it comes for everybody. And, and Isaiah goes on to say that like each man is destined to die once and then after that comes judgment. And he's making this clear observation that time continues to march on no matter what and everybody dies. Everybody dies. But this last observation, all right, it begins to look a lot still depressing. Um, let's, let's take a look at it. That is life's random nature. So in Proverbs, life isn't random. There's a clear cause and effect relationship between doing the right thing and being rewarded. But the fact is that life doesn't always work that way. The critic has observed a glitch in the system. He calls it chance, or in his words, the race doesn't always go to the swift, or the battle to the strong, nor does food always come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the educated. Time and chance happen to them all. So his point is that you can't really control anything in life. It's just way too unpredictable. So if I want to master life, then you're setting yourself up for a fall. If I want to master life, that basically we're saying like, we want to be good at life, right? And, and, and here Ecclesiastes is like, if you want to master life, you're setting yourself up for a fall. What? Like, that is so contrary to everything that you think you'd read in the Bible. It's like, I want to be good and feel good and be encouraged. But this is the question that a lot of us as a people, as Christians, we struggle with, is why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? I mean, you see, you, you see bad people live along and prosper and you see crazy things, crazy sicknesses and illnesses and tragedies come around with good people too. And it's a, one of those questions that will continue to, to, to kind of put into our mind. And, and that's why this critic is like, <laughs> he, he basically calls it chance. He, he calls it chance. It's that glitch that the critic points out. And right here, you can clearly come to the conclusion that life has no meaning. That you could, you could settle with that meaning instead of going to it as a vapor, just like, no, it doesn't have any meaning because you know what? If it's all about rolling the dice, then what am I doing here anyway? But God has a really cool, a really cool depth in Ecclesiastes that will, will make your life a life of freedom and a life with Jesus and a life of encouragement. And the critic even answers this type um, of question of like, is, is life honestly just meaningless in his book? Check it out. If you read closely, the critic isn't saying that life has no meaning, but rather that its meaning is never clear. Like smoke, life is confusing, it's disorienting and uncontrollable. So what are we supposed to do with all of this? Well, surprisingly, the critic first of all acknowledges the perspective of Proverbs. He says it's a really good idea to learn wisdom and to live in the fear of the Lord. Really? I mean, he just said that doesn't guarantee success. But he knows it's the right thing to do. 
But secondly, and more often, he says that since you can't control your life, you should stop trying. Learn to hold things with an open hand because you really only have control over one thing, and that's your attitude towards the present moment. Stop worrying, he says, and choose to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, or the sun on your face, or a good meal with people that you care about. The simple things in life. Yes, and both the good things and the bad, because both are rich gifts from God. See, Ecclesiastes still supports what Proverbs is saying. And, and what, what this critic is telling us and what the wisdom that God is offering in here is to relinquish control. Is that there's freedom and control that, that if you're trying to control your life, like, like, like you're in, in life and you're, and you're trying to continually control uh, your, your future, and you're trying to control your destiny and where you're going to go in college and, and what grades are going to be. And you're trying to control the relationships around you. And you're trying to control your coach or you're trying to control your relationship with your parents. You continue to try to, to control and control, but life apart from God will leave you empty-handed. Life apart from God is going to, you're going to come up with nothing. But in the video right there, it says that if you live life with an open hand, means I can receive things from God. But if I'm trying to hold on, I'm trying to control the things around me, I'm trying to be perfect. And that's why if you solely try and base all of your stuff on, on Proverbs alone, of just like, I'm gonna be the best person I can. Well, there were a lot of people in the Bible that tried to do that. They were called the Pharisees. And Jesus called them a brood of vipers and called them a den of thieves and called them heretics and all these, these, these crazy things because they didn't understand that you can't control your own life. But if you're, if you're living for God, you don't have to worry about a thing because the critics' points are valid. I mean, time keeps marching on. I'm getting older. I feel it in my bones, right? Death happens. I've experienced tragedy in my life through that. Life's not predictable. It's random. But how do we still live a life of freedom and how do we find meaning in life? It's doing all of those things and still being in all of those things with God. And so my challenge to you tonight is what are you trying to control in your life? I mean, for, for me and for my heart, a lot of the times I try and control anything that I can that, that's gonna give me an achievement. So that was through sports and things like that. And I try to control my own by my own hand, by the skill of my own hand. And, and even in this job as a pastor, I, I, I would work and I'd work and I'd work and I'd try to control um, all the things around me and I ended up hindering a lot of people underneath me. And, and why? Because I was trying to control my own life instead of giving that to God and then experiencing the freedom, the blessing, and the wisdom that comes with that. Because the Bible says that the world's burden is heavy. It's tiring trying to grab a vapor. It's tr tiring to try and, and live life meaningless by trying to control everything around you. But it's so freeing to give God that stuff and take on God's burden, Jesus' burden, which is super light. And so you can climb the mountain of a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's not, that God's not in. And that mountain's not gonna carry your climb in it. 
where you can live a life with God and find meaning there. You can, you can try and, and, and make huge life-changing decisions on your own apart from God and you can come up empty-handed. But if I try and make a life-changing decision, like where I'm, what am I gonna do in my future or, or what am I gonna do next year or, or something like that that's gonna change your life and I bring God into it, even if I'm hitting with, with some randomness of life, if I have God there, it's all, it's all gonna work out for the good. And Romans 8 says that God works together all the things for good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. And so what I'm challenging you with tonight is what do we need to let go of tonight? What in our lives do we need to let go of? Because I think as a whole, that last video said that the one thing that we have control of is our response in the present moment. That's what we have control of right now. And I think Pastor Sarah hit, hit on this last week and, and the wisdom series in general, I think has, has a solid theme of life. Life's not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. Because if, if we take these things, the critic says to, to, to his observations to heart, we, we can't control it. The only thing we control is how we respond to what happens. And so what's our response gonna be tonight? So I want to invite everybody to close their eyes. And I just want you to start thinking. Is there a relationship that you're trying to control? Is there your future that you're trying to control? Are you holding on to something in your past that is, is daunting and it's heavy and, and you're trying to control um, so that doesn't happen again in the future or something like that? Are you trying to control um, your relationship with your parents? Are you trying to control your relationship with siblings? Like, and I, I just wanna just invite the Holy Spirit right now and just say, God, bring to mind what we need to relinquish control over. We wanna respond, God, to you in this moment and learn from Ecclesiastes that we don't wanna live a meaningless life apart from you. We wanna invite you into every single aspect of our life, whether it's as simple as like, what am I gonna to wear today? Or it's, it's, it's as difficult of, of like, where am I gonna to go to school next year? Or, or how am I gonna get enough money to be able to buy gas? Or, or how am I gonna get a job? Whatever decisions that, that we're coming into, we don't wanna be trying to grasping in vapor because it's tiring. It leaves us empty-handed. But Jesus, your promise is that you won't leave us empty-handed, that, that, that you have a, a future and a hope. And so Lord, I pray that we can, we can understand this meaning of heaven, of, of life being a vapor in that like, if I'm trying to grasp at that, that I can see your hand, Jesus, to grasp instead. So I pray that every heart in this room can, can see your hand, your open arms in front of them, and that the thing that they're trying to control, they can just place at your feet. And with those open hands, with the light burdens, can scoop you up, Jesus, instead. And we can live a life full of meaning and full of purpose, knowing that you called us to a specific purpose and mission here in this world. And that any time, no matter what happens, whether it's tragedy or whether it's glory, God, that you have our hearts 
and that you want the best for us. And I pray the best over every single heart in this room, every single mind. I pray against worry, anxiety, and things that are, are trying to control their lives, God. And I just ask you, Jesus, to speak to these hearts in this room. And then on the daily, this week, this month, this year, if they need to let go of something, God, if they're, if they're worrying too much about something, that's an easy key to know they need to let go of it. I pray they can just give it to you. And Lord, your, your promise to us is that you give us your peace instead. So Lord, I pray that over every single heart, every single mind. Jesus, we know that you're in control. God, we know that you are in control. So I pray that we can rest in that. We can find peace in that. And Lord, we can feel your love in that. In your heavenly name, Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.